Well, good morning and welcome to everybody. I want to say a special welcome to anyone that just got promoted today. Raise your hand if you are under the age of 12. Let's see all the hands that are under the age of 12. It is so cool to have you here. Probably for some of you, when you get to be in here, it's like, man, I'm finally with the adults. I'm finally with the grown-ups. So we want to welcome and especially thank you. And if you're a first-time guest, we're glad to have you as well. For some of those young ones that went in here, maybe you're 52 inches now. Maybe you can ride that ride at King's Island that you never could before, Ella, first time on the beast and just all kinds of things. And so it's cool for me to be able to come and be able to speak. I look out the group and I see a number of even students that I used to have. And it's humbling for me to come and speak because I think to myself, who am I to get up here and share? And I'm just so excited to come and share just a couple of things with you. I love showing that video. It's one that you can watch over and over. And for me, it's a constant reminder of my outlook on life, even just a few years ago. As I think back, if you think of that video, I think back to about five years ago. And I think about just different instances where I was that person that was looking at my watch when the speaker spoke. You know, I was, oh, man, I can't believe we're singing this many songs. And I was one of those people that grew up in a Christian family, grew up all my life in a Christian home. You know, I remember as a kid, and for those of you who were kids, I remember it was, it was my parents' church that we went to. And then it was off to college, and it was, well, the college has a church that it's your college's church. And then I went on to work and, you know, teach and do some different things. And it was one of those things that, you know, part of my occupation was it's my church that goes with the school. And I remember the first time when, as I thought about that, I'm thinking, all right, what does church really look like? Because for me, it was always, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door, see all the people. And even for our kids, if you think about that analogy, you know, if you think about life in a sense of here's the church, here's the steeple, when you open the door, we are the people. And so if you think about that and you think about how we all look at church, you know, it's just a small part of it. It's not the building. It's not all those things. I wanted to put up a, a quote there, just a little thing for you to think about as we talk today, but think to yourself, in your Christian walk, are you a spectator or are you a participant? If I had to think about myself, even years ago, I would probably say, absolutely, participant. You know, I was the one that, you know, I'd slip out at the end of the service so I could go get my kids from the nursery so that I could get out of the line that I'd have to wait in to pick them up. And I'd find myself in the car reading the Sunday newspaper, you know, not interacting with people and, you know, just kind of checked church off my list and that was good for the week because it was something that I saw as a place to go to. And so as you think, as we go through some things today, I'm excited we've got some other people that are going to share just a little bit. But I want you to start thinking to yourself, have I been a spectator or have I been a participant? As we look at that, I want to share the next slide. Uh, About five years ago, I attended a 10th Avenue North concert. And I put this up here because there was a quote, we can't live for God until we learn to live because of God. And that was one of the quotes from the band members. But I remember walking into the underground. If you've never been to a Christian concert, I encourage you to go. I had never really been in a sense. And so when I walked in, and for those of you who've been to the underground, I remember walking in, I remember thinking, where's the chairs at? They're not even set up for the event tonight. And there were no chairs in the whole place. And I'm thinking, it took me just about a minute. I'm thinking, wait a second. They're not going to sit down the whole night. You know, they're going to be singing. They're going to stand the whole night. I mean, it's like, what is this? And so we listened to the concert. The concert was awesome. But during that concert, I'm standing there and I'm thinking, man, people are participating. They're involved in their worship. You know, hopefully you'll come next week and you'll hear Mark's series as he starts talking about worship. And so that really was a life-changing event for me. As I walked out of there, I thought, you know, why have I not been a part of this or where have I been personally that I've not seen this? Being in Christian school and Christian church and Christian college, been in all the right places, but where has that been in my life? And it was interesting because the Fergusons were up here today playing But right after that concert, shortly thereafter, I visited Living Church for the first time. 
And that was back when we were at Town & Country. I remember walking in for the first time, and there were the Ferguson's plant. I wish I had a picture of five years ago of what they all looked like, but I couldn't find that, so I didn't bring that to show to you. But just to walk in and to hear, and I walked in, I thought, man, I felt like I was at the underground. There was that same presence of worship, and I realized the key was presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, it was me allowing God to speak to me through song and through worship. And so it was just really neat as part of that journey and great having them here today. So if you think to yourself on that quote, we can't live for God until we learn to live because of God. So I started asking myself those questions. Well, a verse that kind of came to me as I was reading some devotional time at that time was Acts 1.8, and really started to think about what does that look like in my life? It says, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And so I started asking myself, where are those locations in my own life? You know, am I doing anything locally? Am I helping anybody around the states or in another country? What do those things look like? And it really started to shape and kind of change our outlook on the way we did things even as a family. And so today, you're in for a treat because we've got two or three individuals, three individuals who are going to come and share just a bit uh, before I kind of finish up with some things. But one of the things that was cool to me was recently Kristen and Liz went to Ecuador. And I reached out to, to both of them, and Liz said, sure, I'm able to be there today. And I just wanted her to come and share because, you know, when you go, when you do different things, life, uh, you get involved. And I know for Liz, that was a big step to think, I could possibly go, I could possibly do this. So Liz, if you would come at this time, I've asked her to share a couple of slides and just kind of tell you how God's been working in her heart in a sense of that journey to Ecuador. Hi, I'm really nervous because he just asked me to speak this week, so other than these pictures, I have nothing prepared. So I'm praying the Spirit speaks through me, or I'm just going to sound like a fool. Um, so last year, I kind of decided, you know, I've just kind of been living my life, but I want to do something bigger. Um, and that presented itself in the form of this trip to Ecuador. Um, my friend Kristen had been on this trip once before, and it sounded like a good first-time trip, um, kind of get my feet wet. Um, so I decided to go, and for me, that was already kind of a step of faith, but little did I know that I was going to get even harder, because at the end of last year, I started dealing with anxiety to the point where I just thought I was losing it. I've never felt more out of control, and it was just a really dark point in my life. And um, even some people who were close to me were kind of encouraging me to maybe not go, you know, take care of myself first, get better. Um, you know, you don't want to put this extra pressure on yourself. But um, I decided to me, that's not what my faith was going to look like. I decided I needed to do it. If I'm going to wait till everything is perfect before I start living for God, I'm never going to do anything. So I decided I'm going to just put my faith in God and hope that he, you know, takes care of me, and he did. Um, so around January, Kristen and I realized we had not done any fundraising. So we had several thousand dollars to raise in just three months. And one of the things we did was we held a yard sale, and from the yard sale, we made about $1,100. And we did this just based on donations. We didn't have prices on anything. We were just like, God... Send people, please, like anybody. And so we were really blessed to have people come and they'd look, not buy anything, but they would still donate. So it was just incredible um, how that worked out. So um, in the three months before the trip, I was still, you know, working on myself, trying to make sure I was in a good place to go. And God definitely took care of me because I, I just 
I gave it all up and I was like, I'm so out of control with what's going on. I need you. And thankfully he brought me through. Um, so a little bit about the trip. We went to Cuenca, Ecuador, and that's a picture of the city. And we served with an organization called Bless an Orphan. So they have an orphanage there in Cuenca, and they have various um, ministries that they do. One is a Matthew 25 uh, feeding program. So that was really cool because we would get to just take food out on the streets and give it to people. And it was just amazing and humbling to see how grateful these people were for just a, a hot meal and um, in that way, we were able to reach people. And we got to work on that church up there. Um, we painted the inside, the outside, added a roof. I didn't do that part. Um, added AC. And we also did a few children's programs. We have, um, you, I don't know if you go to the next slide. I don't know if you'll be there. Oh, yeah. Um, that was probably, the bottom left there was probably my, one of my favorite moments we went to a home for children with special needs and that's Javier and Javier and I could not understand each other I don't speak Spanish he doesn't speak English but it was just incredible the way that love speaks in you know its own language so we just headed off had a great time and they were just so grateful for us to be there and just what they're doing in Ecuador for these kids and everyone is just really incredible. You can go to the next slide. Yeah, um, that guy up in the top right, his name is Hector. He's a clown and we would go to schools and bring lunch for them and he would put on his big show and they just loved it. I had no idea what he was saying, but they loved it, so it was great. And... Um, Let's see, yeah, we were making soup in that bottom one there. Probably a, a bat about that tie. It took like three or four men to get it up on the truck. It was fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just, it was a really incredible experience and I'm so glad I got to go. And when I was young, I had no interest in being a missionary because I would hear of these stories of people living in the jungles and I just thought that sounds awful. So I had no interest. But, and then I, I thought you had to be kind of a special kind of person to go. But it was the moment that we were laying in bed at night, and it was me and about five other ladies in the same room. And we were laying in bed with the lights off, and we were sitting there giggling about eating Snickers in bed. And I realized these people are just like me. They're, you know, they don't talk in these and nows. They're just like me, and they're out here serving in this way. So that really impacted me, too. And that's really it. Thank you. Thank you, Liz, for sharing. You know, just so cool the way God provided for their trip. And uh, Carly's going to come next. But before she comes, just to tell you a little bit, you know, even over the last year, just like she said, you know, it's, it's regular people. You know, and I think at times I thought that as well. Uh, well this past year, uh, Carly was in Guatemala. Of course, you guys knew that. Many of you supported to help her go there. And then in, this, in February, she had an opportunity to go to Honduras. Uh, but it was one of those things where God provided each time. Well, this summer in July, she had an opportunity to go to Mexico. And she just started a new job. It was one of those things, how are you going to get time off from work? Where's the money going to come from? You can't ask people again for that kind of thing. And how do you do something like that? And so she and I went back and forth about that. It was one of those things where I just remember saying to her, you really feel like God's calling you to go and help with this trip, you know, Vacation Bible School. It was going to be with uh, Christy Heisler, Carol Landis, Anna Leichter, some others from the area that we're going. 
And so she's like, yeah, I really feel like I'm supposed to go. Well, the, the plane ticket itself was like $950. And I had a hard time wrapping my mind around how do you spend that much for a plane ticket. And so it was one of those things that we said, well, first off, let's see if you can get off from work. Sure enough, work came back with a response that said, absolutely, we want you to go. You can have the time off. So it was like, okay, that hurdle's out of the way. The next one was where the money's going to come from. So on a Saturday night, we kind of talked a little bit, and we had gone back and forth, and we just kind of decided, you know what, she's supposed to do this. We're going to put the credit card out there and buy that airline ticket. And so we put that on there, and um, we were just going to trust God to work out the funds for it. If we both had to pay and split the cost, that's what we decided we would do. Well, that next Sunday morning, this would have been the fifth Sunday in May, this before the summer started, there was a church that had asked me to come and speak on their missionary Sunday. And I remember when they asked me, I'm thinking, why are you asking me? I'm not a missionary. I'm just a regular guy. And they said, well, that's why we want you to come. We want you to share, like, from a family's perspective and, you know, your daughter having been there in Guatemala. And so we said, okay. You know, I said, well, I'll pray about it. But obviously when you pray about something, it's kind of like, okay, God's nudging you to go do this. And so I went and spoke at this church and had Carly share. And you know, it was one of those things as I was speaking, I thought, man, I have got the platform. And all I got to do is drop the whole Mexico thing line, and I might get some funds for that trip. And that would just take care of it. And I was like, you know, I knew deep down I shouldn't do that. It would be an ulterior motive. And so didn't say a word. The church knew nothing about that. And so the service ended. It went great. And I remember getting ready to leave, and someone came up to me afterwards, and they was from the mission committee there. But they were like, here's an envelope. They said, take your wife out to eat, just a little honorarium. So, you know, you think, wow, that's really nice and generous. Thank you. You know, probably 30 bucks. Who knows? Just it's great to have. But went out to my car, and we had all driven separate that day. But got out to my car, so it's just me, one of the last people in the parking lot. I open up that envelope. And in there, there's a check for $500. And I'm looking at it, and it's like tears start welling up in my eyes. And I call Carly up. I'm like, more than half of your trip has just been funded. And it was really just a great example to me of just me. You know, we had that faith, but at the same time, it was like less than 24 hours later, God's putting that in our hands. And what was really cool was on the top of their check, it was from the mission committee. And so I just, when I reached out to them to say thank you, I said, your mission money is going right back into missions. So Carly, if you come at this time, I want her just to share a little bit about what she did in Mexico this summer. I guess we'll sit too. Good idea. Good morning. Um, so yeah, like my dad was saying, um, this trip was really, I like to call it, it was really spur of the moment. Like I probably knew we decided that I was going to go probably about a month before we left. And like all my other trips, it was like months in advance. Um, I had time to prepare, but I mean, this one, I don't know, it was just for the moment. But so about a month ago, I was in um, Cordoba, Mexico, and we went and we stayed at this place. It was, um, the name of it was MITC, which stands for Mexican uh, Indian Training Center. And what it is, it's basically um, a seminary for um, their kids my age. So it's like they kind of go through, it's like our high school system, kind of like freshman to senior year. And um, during like their school year, they take classes and it basically trains both boys and girls how to be pastors and um, just kind of train them in the ministry. And then when they graduate, they send them out to different churches in Mexico or other um, parts of the world. So it's really cool. Um, so that was really neat because I got to kind of interact with people my age because my other two trips were kind of like focusing on the kids and um, kids that live there. So um, so the first night we got there, um, 
and I went to bed, I was like, I know this is going to be a great week. Uh, just the whole week, um, you could just really feel the presence of God and just the people there were just so filled with God's love and God's joy. Um, I mean, every morning before breakfast and at, before every meal, they would sing a praise song and they'd bring out guitars. And, and that was just really neat because, you know, they just took that time before every meal. I mean, they prayed as well, but they would just sing um, like a song to, to the Lord. And that was just really neat. And just so, um, just so genuine and, you know, always asking you how, how did you sleep last night? How are you doing? You know, what's going on? Are you doing well? Like, just so concerned about you and um, just so genuine. So that was just really neat and just to feel um, God's love through that. So what we did down there, um, this is a picture of, that was the chapel. We did a vacation Bible school, and it was for uh, children ages about 2 to 14. And there was six um, American girls that went down there which um, that was a pretty small group. Usually they have about 12 or 15 girls that go down. So um, Kara, the, she's kind of in charge of it. She's like, you know, you got to be on your A game. Like, there's only six of us. We're going to have to be ready to go. And before we went down, um, she told us, you know, we're, we're going to plan for 150 kids. Like, we don't usually get up to that much, but that's what we're going to plan for. We're going to bring crafts down for that many because we were in charge of all the crafts. Um, so, you know, first day came, we, I think we probably had about 50 to 60 kids, and we are like, oh, like, that's great. So the way it kind of works down there is the kids will come, they leave, they go tell their friends, their friend, it's just kind of like everybody tells each other, and they come. Um, so throughout the week, more and more kids were coming, and um, by the end of the week, the last day, we had over 195 kids there. And we were not prepared for that, and it got really crazy and hectic at some times, but it was just so cool to see um, just God's provision, because here it is the year that, you know, we have the least amount of Americans there, but God brings the most um, Mexican kids they've ever had, so it was just really neat, and um, we would do songs and crafts and all that, so it was just a great week, and um, being able to love on them, and um, just spend time with them and invest in their lives. Um, you can go ahead to the next slide. Um, so that's just some of the kids, and again, I mean, you're just with them, and you're talking with them, and they're just, I don't know, the kids are just amazing, and um, just being able to love on them and um, spend time with them through that. I think there's one more slide, maybe. Um, yeah, and then there was also um, some other kids that came, that group of kids. They were from an orphanage. So it was just really neat to see those kids come every day, and a lady, a Mexican lady, would bring them, and every day she'd come up to me and say, I had this many kids come from the orphanage, like, thank you, to, thanks to God, like, thank you for that. Um, so that was really neat. So it was just a great week, and um, when it came time to go home, I did not want to leave. Um, the very last day, um, we did, like, our last final song for the kids, the Americans did, and all the kids, like, uh, uh, stood up and started singing with us, and they were just holding up, like, God bless you, thank you, and just, like, had all these signs, and it was just really neat, and they came up to us afterwards, and it was just hug after hug after hug, and just thank you, thank you, and um, so it was just, it was a really amazing week, and just um, great to see God's provision and um, what he did there, and it's a really amazing place, and I'm really excited to go back, so...
So for some of you, you may say, you know, hey, in the next year I may have an opportunity to go somewhere. For some of you, it might be, you know what, where can I get involved or what am I doing? You know, it's cool because as I look around the room, many of you are already doing those things. There's a quote I wanted to share with you. It says, the more we share Jesus, the more we know Jesus. Is your faith vibrant and joyful or routine and complacent? If I had to say five years ago of myself, I would have to say it was the last ones there. You know, and so as you think about how you share Jesus, what does that look like? You know, a couple weeks ago, many of you were probably out in your neighborhoods doing a prayer walk. For us as a family doing that, it was kind of cool because there were different families that we knew and for different reasons. And uh, I thought a great illustration, especially for our kids, would be just to have Ellie come share. I'm going to ask her a couple of questions, but just how do you share locally? For those of you who are younger, you're never too young to be able to help others to do things for them. So Ellie, if you'll come at this time, I've got a couple of questions, and she graciously agreed to to answer them. So I'm going to put her up here. This is the fun part. I get to put my kid in the hot seat and get to ask him a couple things. But the things that I wanted to ask you, as we think about our neighbors and just how you get involved in different things, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Ellie, is how have you gotten to know some of our neighbors? Well, we've had a lot of really great opportunities to get to know our neighbors through the years that we've lived in our neighborhood, and we've gotten to watch their houses and babysit their kids. But one good opportunity is my brother and my dad and I, we've been able to shovel driveways for people, so we've really been able to get to know them through that. So as we've done some of that, we've gotten to know some of these different families, but what's interesting is a couple of months ago, uh, one of those particular neighbors came out and said something, or came out and did something, so I just wanted you to share that with them. Yeah, one day I was walking my dog, and this lady came out and stopped me, and she was just like, hey, are you the girl that shovels my driveway? And I was like, yeah. She was like, hold it right there, and she ran into her house, and then she came out with some money, and she just wanted to give that to me because the time before when we had shoveled their driveway, we shoveled the whole thing, and it was a huge driveway, so she felt like we had, or that they had cut us off, and I was just like, no, you truly don't have to, and she was just like, no, put it towards college, and after that day, she would come out, and she would just talk to me each day, and tell me how she's doing, and our dogs would play together, and that's how the, that's how we got to know each other really well. All right, so I think it was cool because it's like a friendship started, and since then, that friendship has built. So just kind of share with everyone now, since then, over the last few months, maybe things she's had you do, or just kind of how that's progressed. Well, she had me watch her house when they went out of town because they had never been out of town because they didn't really know anybody to take care of the house. So after that, my mom and I really had the opportunity to get to know her, and we... um, we really got to know her, and we realized how lonely she was, and she really didn't have anybody. So we've been trying to include her and invite her to places, and we really realized, like, just taking a little bit out of your day to listen to somebody or to see how they're doing, it really makes an impact on that person. All right. That's good. Thank you, Ellie. So sometimes it's those little things of everyday life. If Ty could put the verse up there. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7 says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. It goes on then in the next verses, God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. So no matter if you're young or if you're old, those people are out there. And, and each of us have such a vital part. You know, there's lots of circumstances and instances where even this week, you know, I know 
Um, Lisa was at the pool with someone that she ministered two years ago as their doctor, and that person still has a great relationship with them. There was someone else just yesterday, they were commenting that they got an email from someone that was encouraging them for the job that they had done at school. And that was an email that John had sent, John Vandermeer. And so there's different things where, as you go throughout your everyday life, do people notice a difference in you? You know, many of you are called to different things. You know, right now, I'm an assistant principal of student life at Miami Valley Christian Academy. And there's lots of opportunities where I get the opportunity to serve, get the opportunity to share some things. If we could put a quote up here. Uh, It says, we are in constant danger of being not actors in the drama of our lives, but reactors. To go where the world takes us, to drift whatever current happens to be running the strongest. And so as you think about that, you know, how many people do you see that may be lonely? They're just kind of drifting along. Maybe it's you personally that you've never stepped up and said, God, I need to be a a participant, no longer a spectator. Uh, As I thought about this, this little quote reminded me of a particular student at school. And I wanted to share a story with you, and I'm going to call this the mulch story. This is called the mulch story. But this particular student was going to be a senior this year. He came to our school a couple of years ago, and just a funny kind of guy, was someone that, you know, everybody loved and just had a great time with. Well, what happened was at the end of the first semester, one of the things I'm in charge of is service hours. And these students have to turn in their service hours, and I get to keep track of those. Well, as they get closer to the end of the semester, you kind of think, well, are these some of these kids really doing it? Especially when you get to the last day. When it gets turned in on the last day, it's kind of like you're looking at them a little bit more critically, but lots of great things happening. Well, this particular student turns his in. I got it, and I was headed out of town to Pennsylvania on vacation for Christmas, and I remember looking at it, and I remember it said, you know, helping this particular teacher, and it said 10 hours. Well, 10 hours is what you have to do or what you get to do over the course of a quarter. And when I saw the 10 hours, I thought, wow, it's pretty exact that he helped that teacher. And so I looked at it a little bit closer, and I thought, I wonder if he could have added a zero to the back of that one. And so me being the detective that I wanted to be, I shot that teacher a text and said, hey, did so-and-so actually do 10 hours for you, or was it one? Well, their response came back and said, no, one hour. I gave them one hour. They must have filled that in. Well, now he's kind of caught red-handed. And so I kind of, as I'm headed to Pennsylvania, I reach out to him and, hey, what's going on or whatever, you know, and his reply back to me was, is there a problem? And so I texted a reply back. I said, that depends on you. And so he was in a movie at the time. He said, well, I'll call you when I got. So he did. Well, he had time to think about the fact that he's probably caught me. He's kind of figured it out. So he owns up to it, and he says, you know, that's, that's, that's true. I added it. So now, now what do we have? Now we have happen. Well, we have another assistant principal at school who handles our discipline. And so after we got back from the break, the three of us sat down, and, and she decided, you know, that, all right, part of the punishment is going to be there is this big mulch pile behind the school. And so when it starts to warm up, you're going to move that mulch pile and put it over on the trail that goes through the woods. I mean, that's pretty easy. You know, get some hours, cancel that out, and, you know, that's how he was going to take care of it. Plus, you know, his grade was docked for turning in the wrong amount. So the mulch pile now became the thing that was supposed to happen. And so the springtime came, and, you know, it's getting closer to when that mulch pile is going to be moved. I brought in my own tools to just, here you go, here's a shovel. I took him out there. I showed him everything. And, you know, there was always an excuse. It was, well, it's too rainy. It's the wet season, and I can't do this mulch pile. Or I've got to pick up my brother today, and I can't do it. And so basically, the months passed by, and the mulch pile still sits there. I remember coming in. I'd be up in the hallway taking some rounds. I'd look out the back window, and there sat the mulch pile. It wasn't even my punishment that I handed out. It's just this was what the principal had said he was going to do. And so there was just one of those things that certainly by the time that it gets warmer, He's going to take care of this thing. You know, May rolls around the end of the school year, and it's going to be taken care of. 
And May comes and goes. It's still not taken care of. I remember taking a picture of it and sending it to that assistant principal and saying, mulch pile's still out there. So the summer begins, you know. It's one of those things that, okay, now he's going to come, and now he's going to start doing it. And he came out a couple days. He took a couple of loads, you know, and as I watched him do it, because it was kind of out my window, I thought, it's going to take this kid all summer. You know, I would have gotten the biggest shovel I could have found and done it in an hour or two. And so certainly, you know, it was, it was remained to be seen if it was going to happen. Well, we were away on vacation as a family. When we got home, there was an email waiting, and it was an email between this assistant principal and this young man. And he basically sent her an email, and he said, I'm done with the mulch pile. I'm not doing it, and I'm done with it. And she had said to him, if you don't do this by such and such date, there will be repercussions. You know, that could have meant you might not be returning as a student. You might have this or that. And so in his email, he said, so if you want to kick me out over the mulch pile, then you go ahead and do that. And so I'm looking at this as I'm copying it. I'm thinking, this is nuts. This is like June, and we're six months later still talking about a mulch pile. And so sure enough, we were going to have another meeting. And so we had this meeting scheduled. Well, find out that the meeting, you know, when I got this email, it was going to be the next day. The problem was this summer, uh, I was going to be somewhere else. One of the fun things that we did, I did it with Ellie and Eli, was I've always wanted to go to a Chick-fil-A opening. And this Chick-fil-A opening wasn't going to happen, but there was an opening happening in Anderson on Beachmont. It was the opening of the new Krispy Kreme. And so Carly had mentioned doing it, so I put it on my calendar. Well, then she couldn't go. And I said, well, does anybody else want to go with me? And Ellie and Eli said, yeah, we'll go with you. We'll camp out. So we took our tent. We got set up with all the other crazy people that were there. And you had to get a little ticket to tell you where you were at in line. We ended up being number 25 and 26. And so this was going to be on that evening. Well, my meeting was the next morning at 8 o'clock with this student and the principal. And so I'm thinking, all right, I can pull this off because it opens at 6 at Krispy Kreme. I get home, and I can be sitting in a chair at 8 o'clock for a meeting. And so I'm not going to let it deter me from this plan. And so we go to Krispy Kreme, you know, not realizing that you're not going to sleep a whole lot. You know, there's mandatory checks that they have of attendance every hour or two where you've got to be there. And if you're not, they bump you off the list. Because the first 100 people are going to get Krispy Kreme for a year. The very first person is going to get it 52 weeks out of the year. The other 99 are going to get 12, you know, what we do for 12 dozen donuts. And so we go, we have this great experience, and we're up all night. You don't get much sleep. And so you're tired, and 6 o'clock rolls around in the morning, and we get through the line all to get that special card. You know, I still have the card to use it for the rest of the year. So we get that card. Well, we sit down, we eat, then it's time to head home so I can get ready for this 8 o'clock meeting. And so a little tired, you know, didn't sleep a whole lot, but get home, get cleaned up, head over to school. So we go to this meeting. It's his mom, it's him, the assistant principal, myself. Again, I'm not the disciplinarian. I'm the one that's just kind of sitting in the meeting as the extra person. And so the meeting starts, and you're kind of thinking, well, how is this thing going to go? You know, I kind of thought to myself, what are some options? What are some things that could happen? But is she going to kick him out? Is it one of those things that, you know, he's going to, you know, cave and say, I'll do it? And so you can kind of tell as they start talking that it's not really going to go. They're at a standstill. I want to help the principal because I know she didn't want to kick him out over this, but I also want to help him, but he said he's not going to do it. And so I guess at that point, the being tired and the just thinking, i got to resolve this and get it taken care of, I start to speak. Now, I can be a little bit of an intense person. I know you can't believe that, but I can be a little bit of an intense person. And so at that point, it became me and this student in the meeting. There, his mom wasn't there, and the principal wasn't there. It was just the two of us as far as I was concerned. And so I remember looking at him, and I remember thinking, and I said this. I said, I can't believe we are six months from the time that this happened, and we are talking about a mulch pile at the end of June. And so 
immediately, I start to go up in the intensity. And so I look at him, I'm like, are you afraid of hard work? Are you not able to just take this and get it done? I said, at some point, there comes a time when you be a man and you take care of it and you get it done and you get it behind you. And this is ridiculous. And so I said some other things. Well, as I'm talking, I noticed like my, my lower lip is quivering. And usually as I'm like doing that, I'm thinking, okay, I'm a little bit in too into this at this point. <laughs> and those little messages inside are saying, back it down a little bit because, but I just had to get that, that point across to him. So I looked at him, I said, listen, I brought clothes along today. And I said, I don't know if you would join me. I said, I'm going out there after this meeting and I'm going to move the mulch pile. I said, you can join me or you don't have to, but I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to take your punishment. And the reason I'm going to take your punishment is so that Mrs. Glenn, so that she doesn't have to kick you out or she doesn't have to do something more because so I think you should be here. You've got your senior year coming up, not really any other place to go at this point, and I still think God has things for you to learn here at this school. And so he sat there, and he's quiet, and it was one of those things. I didn't know if he was going to respond. I mean, is he calling my bluff? Is he going to do it? Is he going to come out and help? And so just shared a couple of things at that point, and basically... The meeting just kind of ended with the principal saying, if the mulch pile's not moved by 3 o'clock today, that'll be it. And so I walked out of there, not knowing if he was on board, got my clothes on with my wheelbarrow, go out to the pile, and I start digging to move this thing. It's hot. It's the summertime. You're sweating. The really sad part was that in May, I had a bobcat at the school for some other things, and I was the one working it. And I remember seeing that pile thinking, I should move this. With two bucketfuls, I could move this and be done with it. But then I thought... I don't want to let the kid out of the punishment. So I'm out there moving this by hand now, and I'm talking to myself, thinking, this is so stupid. If I should have moved this pile when I had the chance, and I wouldn't have to be doing this now on my own. Here I am doing it anyway, but now it's by hand. And so as I'm out there shoveling, put it in, about 20 minutes later, I see him coming out. He got some clothes to change into, and he comes out, gets the other wheelbarrow, gets a shovel, and he starts doing it. And so we start doing it together, not saying a whole lot, you know, and I'm, I've got the big scoop shovel, you know, so I'm loading mine up because it's not going to take me very long and I'm done with this thing. And he's got the little shovel and it's like, man, it's going to take us all day, you know, so I fill mine up and then I'm filling his up and so then we're wheeling over. So as I'm wheeling over to where we're putting it down, here he is behind me. And it was at that moment where it was almost like God was saying, you idiot, you know, how many times in your life do you let things go and you don't take care of them? There's what's happening in your life that's been six months or longer or whatever it might be that you're not taking care of. You know, here I was showing him by example, taking that punishment, and God's looking at me going, I took your punishment. You know, what have you done to earn any of this? You know, this is the least that you could do to help and to show him. And so within an hour, we had it done. It was, it was finished. And it was one of those things where you look and you think, Will that make an impact? Will that make a difference? And as we ended up that day, I went and grabbed some Powerades for us and gave him one, and we had one. And, you know, as we talked, he said, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send her an email and apologize for what I did or what I said. And it was one of those things that, you know, it still remains to be seen as the school year starts, what an impact that will have. But about a week later, I got a card in the mail, and it was a card from his mom. Because, again, you're thinking, was I a little bit too rough on him? You know, what was mom thinking? Because I kind of let loose in that meeting just to really get the point across to him. And so I just underlined a couple of things that she said. But here's what she said. One of my prayers for our kids is that God will bring people into their lives who love them, love God, and want the best for our kids. Thank you for being one of those people. Thank you for calling him out and holding him accountable. Thank you for talking to him about what it means to be a responsible man. Thanks, too, for being willing to tell him the positive qualities you see in him. And finally, thank you for moving the mulch. Uh, he will never know uh, what grace looks like he did today. 
Thank you for persisting in seeing the big redemptive picture for him. And then she signed it. She wrote John 1.14, the word becomes flesh uh, and is in his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And I thought it was a great picture of that grace. You know, how many times do we need to extend grace to someone when God's done it for us all the time? You know, we take for granted uh, sitting on the sidelines and, and not being a participant rather than a spectator. Uh, just as we close today, I wanted to share this just a little bit. But essentially, you find joy in Jesus. It says, to find joy in Jesus, serve Jesus. To experience his love, share his love. And will you go and share his love? I'm going to ask the band to come at this time for a closing number. But I wonder if you would just bow your head with me. And I just want you to, as you bow your head, I want you to think to yourself, am I a full participant? Have I been a spectator or have I really been participating in my Christian walk? You know, then I also want you to think to yourself, is there someone that I need to reach out to in my neighborhood, walk across the street, do an act of service for them, show them some love? Uh, what are those things? It could be someone sitting right here this morning. There's sometimes people right within our midst that we just need to ask a question or we need to be willing to listen. And are we willing to do that? And so today, simply as a, as a challenge or a motivation to go, you know, will we go? That's the question this morning. And I think the answer is yes. Let me close this in prayer. Father, I thank you for the time this morning, Lord. Thank you for the girls being willing to share, whether that's on a foreign mission field or right here at home, Lord. There's so many opportunities we have day in and day out to just show your love and to serve one another. Lord, help us to be mindful of those around us, to encourage them, and to be that light that may not be seen by anywhere else. Thank you again for the time this morning. Thank you for the Ferguson's and just for all those who help lead worship each week. We ask this in your name. Amen.